Hi there, this is Taylor checking in with some conservation news from the past couple weeks for Pelicanus and intentional ecology. Working in the environmental field is an experience of some very high highs and some low lows. As always, there are horrendous environmental stories that deserve our attention, action, and mobilization, but it is our opinion that you can find those headlines in many places. But there are also empowering and inspiring stories that demonstrate major conservation successes from around the globe, achieved by real people who have grouped together to create a better planet. We've been collecting these stories and messages every week for years, and I'm still surprised at how resilient and creative both nature and humans are when facing big challenges. Hi everyone, we've got a handful of headlines for today's Pelicanus News. I've categorized them into drawdown and wildlife. These stories are truly incredible and also reminders to me that conservation can actually work. All right, the first category of drawdown has several uh, stories in here. This first one, I barely understand. It's from SciTechDaily.com. Harvesting energy from the air. Metasurface-based antenna turns ambient radio waves into electric power. <laughs> Technology could make it possible to use radio emissions from cell phone networks to wirelessly power sensors and LEDs. Researchers have developed a new metasurface-based antenna that represents an important step toward making it practical to harvest energy from radio waves such as the ones used in cell phone networks or Bluetooth connections. This technology could potentially provide wireless power to sensors, LEDs, and other simple devices with low energy requirements. By eliminating wired connections and batteries, these antennas could help reduce costs, improve reliability, and make some electrical systems more efficient, said research team leader from the University of South Florida. This would be useful for powering smart home sensors, such as those used for temperature, lighting, and motion, or sensors used to monitor the structure of buildings or bridges where replacing a battery might be difficult or impossible. I don't fully understand how this works. The article that it's pulled from explains it a little bit more. Um, but this last part, in the journal Optic Materials Express, the researchers report that the lab tests of their new antenna showed that it can harvest 100 microwatts of power, enough to power simple devices from low power radio waves. This was possible because the metamaterial used to make the antenna exhibits perfect absorption of radio waves and was designed to work with low intensities. This is definitely worth looking into, super interesting, um, and hopefully it can if we're already throwing the radio waves out there, it can help us reduce our reliance on the grid. <laughs> All right, uh, next one is from governorswindenergycoalition.org. The sale of leases for wind farms off New York raises more than $4 billion. The United States government netted a record $4.37 billion from the sale of six offshore wind leases off the coast of New York and New Jersey a major step in the Biden administration's goal of ushering in a future power by renewable energy. The auction of more than 488,000 acres in the Atlantic Ocean between Cape May, New Jersey and Montauk Point, New York uh, was the Biden administration's first offshore lease sale. 
When turbines are built and start working, the auctioned areas are expected to generate up to 7,000 megawatts, enough to power nearly 2 million homes. The Interior Department has said that the project and others currently under review, it hopes to see some 2,000 turbines churning from Massachusetts to North Carolina by the end of this decade. All right, this next one is from coloradonewsline.com. Colorado oil and gas regulators approve strongest financial rules. Colorado regulators approved a sweeping set of new financial requirements for oil and gas companies that operate within the state, completing the last major rule change mandated by a landmark drilling reform law passed by Democrats in the General Assembly three years ago. The five-member Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission voted unanimously to adopt the new rules on financial insurance, also known as bonding. When they take effect in April, the changes will significantly increase the amounts of the bonds that oil and gas producers must provide to the state to cover potential cleanup costs, and new fees will raise millions of dollars to fund the plugging of wells that are abandoned or orphaned, typically as a result of bankruptcy. In a press release, COGCC officials called the new rules the strongest in the nation. Commissioner John Mesner, a former Gunnison County Commissioner, said that the rules represent a paradigm shift. I think they fundamentally change how financial assurance for oil and gas activities in the state of Colorado are addressed, Mesner said. They were an outcome of over a year's worth of collaboration and input from a really diverse group of individuals and stakeholders. Here, this next one is from CNN.com. The United Nations agrees to create world's first ever plastics pollution treaty in a blow to big oil. <laughs> yeah, I love this. The United Nations approved a landmark agreement to create the world's first ever global plastic pollution treaty, describing it as the most significant environmental deal since the 2015 Paris Climate Accord. Member states held talks for more than a week in Nairobi, Kenya, to agree to the outline of a pact to rein in soaring plastic pollution, an environmental crisis that extends from ocean trenches to mountain tops. Government officials cheered and punched the air after the adoption of a resolution to create a legally binding plastic pollution treaty, which is due to be finalized by 2024. We're making history today, and you should all be proud," said Espen Barth Eide, president of the UN Environmental Assembly UNEA. Plastic pollution has grown into an epidemic. With today's resolution, we are officially on track for a cure. The resolution, which UNEA calls the most significant environmental deal since the Paris Accord, is written in broad, sto broad strokes, and an intergovernmental committee is now tasked with negotiating a binding treaty that will have ripple effects on businesses and economies around the world. Any treaty that puts restriction on plastic pollution, plastic production, use or design, would impact oil and chemical companies that make raw plastic, as well as consumer good giants that sell thousands of products in single-use packaging. This would also have a significant impact on the economies of major plastic-producing countries, including the United States, India, China, and Japan. That is phenomenal though. So our last category here is wildlife and we have one story in here. This one's from, uh, it's a press release from fishandwildlifeservice.gov, fws.gov. Um, this is a little, this is a little weird. Uh, peppered chub wins Endangered Species Act protection. This is weird because we're reporting on the fact that there is a 
animal that is so endangered that it needs protection. However, the exciting and inspiring part about this is that it did receive protection and the associated actions that go with that. So, the pepper chub is a freshwater ray-finned fish in the family Cyprinidae, uh, which is the family for carps and minnows. And based on a review of the best available scientific information, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is listing the pepper chub as endangered under the Endangered Species Act. The pepper chub is at risk of extinction due to significant declines of its freshwater stream habitat. And this is where it gets exciting. The service also is designating 872 river miles in New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Texas as critical habitat that will be essential to the conservation of the species. Threats to the pepper chub are also imperiling other wildlife species, which similarly rely on clean, reliable water sources. Across the U.S., hundreds of species of freshwater fish, mussels, and aquatic species are at risk of extinction due to the loss, fragmentation, and degradation of freshwater streams and rivers. ESA protections will benefit the pepper chub by raising awareness about threats to the species, inspiring diverse partnerships on its behalf, and helping conserve habitat critical to its conservation and recovery. We are taking these actions to ensure the continued survival of the pepper chub and its native prairie streams in the southwest, said Amy Luders, the service's southwest regional director. While the critical habitat designation will not impact private landowners, it will help identify areas where conservation actions are needed to protect and recover this imperiled fish. We stand ready to work collaboratively with federal, state, and local partners to ensure a strong future for both the pepper chub and the communities who depend on the health of prairie rivers like the Canadian River. All right, I hope these stories bring some optimism and lightness to your month, and I look forward to sharing more in the future.